I understand what optimal means for me. I understand what my expectations are of me. And I also know why I'm doing it. And, and I think that is the clarity piece that people require to really fully answer the question that you have. It depends on what aspect of, of the, our lives that, or life that we're looking to optimize, you know, because I, I always recognize that there's probably areas that need more attention than others. And yet we all like to do things that we do really well at. Welcome to the Wits and Weights podcast. I'm your host, Philip Pape, and this twice-a-week podcast is dedicated to helping you achieve physical self-mastery by getting stronger, optimizing your nutrition, and upgrading your body composition. We'll uncover science-backed strategies for movement, metabolism, muscle, and mindset with a skeptical eye on the fitness industry so you can look and feel your absolute best. Let's dive right in. Wits and Weights community, welcome to another episode of the Wits and Weights podcast. Today is all about fun, a functionally fit life that is with my guest, Di Manuel. You'll learn how to balance personal and professional roles while prioritizing fitness. We'll explore the concept of what optimal means in fitness and life, the role of fun in fitness, and practical strategies to find balance while living a fit life. In the world of business and lifestyle coaching, there are people who talk about leading a balanced life, and then there are those who embody it. Meet Di Manuel, a man on an incredible mission to positively impact 1 million role models around the globe as a super dad who leads by example, partner who keeps the flame alive by dating his wife of 21 years, and a high-octane life enthusiast, Dai showcases what it truly means to live a functionally fit life. Known for his award-winning digital thought leadership and best-selling publications, he's an extraordinary blend of business acumen and contagious enthusiasm, some of that I've already gotten to meet <laughs> before the recording here. Dai's journey as a co-founder, COO, and CMO of an eight-figure retail company, as well as a sought-after lifestyle mentor and executive performance coach, is not only impressive, but also inspiring. Navigating the balance beam of life's responsibilities while keeping health and happiness at the forefront, Dai knows the struggle of the juggle. His philosophy is based on five Fs, fitness, family, faith, finances, all wrapped under the roof of fun, built on a foundation of health. Dai's a dynamic speaker, author, and thought leader who's here to inspire you to take action and become the best version of yourself. Dai, thanks for bringing your energy to the show. <laughs> thanks, Philip. That, that's, uh, oh man, I'm stoked to be here. I really am. I, I'm honored for the opportunity to have this conversation with you today. So I, I know we've had lots of back and forth and lots of opportunity to creep each other on social. And uh, <laughs> dude, I totally <laughs> love everything that you stand for, but also the fact that we're both, you know, We've got, we're, we're fathers of daughters, man. And uh, we sure. got a band together, my man, band together. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we both, we both are at different stages of our lives, but can relate so much. And I'm sure the, the listener can as well. Uh, this is a fitness related podcast, as we talked mm. about. And your foundation of, or your philosophy, your approach is based mm. on a foundation of health and what you call functionally fit uh, life. <laughs> So I am about bringing the energy enthusiasm. So what does fitness and fun mean to you in this context? Yeah, I guess, I mean, let, let's be, be fair here. You, you know, there's a lot of, we'll say misinformation and redirects, uh, especially when you start going down the path of trying to define for oneself, what does health mean to me, right? Or what does mm -hmm. being optimal mean to me? And there's lots of different directions we can go and we can subjectify those answers. We can also objectify them. Uh, and it's usually best to have a bit of a blend, but it's the personal experience aspect, you know, that really solidifies everything or, or takes it from knowledge to wisdom, right? It's that application of the knowledge to create a certain result. And I, I'll be fair, uh, for those that probably, well, they probably don't know my story, but I wasn't someone that naturally came to fitness. It came to it a little bit later in life, you know, um, when I say later in life, like in my teenage years, I, I discovered fitness at 15. Um, but prior to that, I, I had, oh gosh, I was in a, a massive state of unhealth, you know, I was morbidly obese. And along with that, a lot of other, you know, stigmas, especially on the mental health challenges and, and the bullying. And, you know, I, I was just, it was a tough place, you know, a tough place. Like anyone that's struggling with chronic health conditions, especially if it's more lifestyle orientated, you know, you can't help but look in the mirror all the time and be like, oh, is that me? And, yeah. and you know, and, and that was an everyday occurrence. And uh, at 15, you know, looking in the mirror one day, I was just like, I don't like who I'm looking at, you know, and, and I don't want to be like this anymore because 
the fear of, of staying that way was not as great or it was actually greater than the fear of changing, of you change, know, like, yeah. yeah. And, and that's when most people are really ready to make a change. And, uh, and so I, I started that, you know, it took me five years to get to that city when it took me about oh, just shy of two years to take off the weight and to develop a new lifestyle. And that really set me forward in this trajectory of wanting to help others with health and well-being changes, you know, and taking control of their situation to, to maximize and optimize really the life that they want, you know, and, and, and more or less get out of their own way. Right. And to, mm-hmm. to let things happen. And uh, so the, over those years, you know, now almost 30 years working in this space, I've heard it all, <laughs> you know, and, yeah, yeah. and I've done a lot of things. And, and so this philosophy has emerged, you know, the whole life fitness manifesto was the book I published um, uh, almost eight years ago now. Um, but it, it's really just a lot of very common sense type things. But as we all know, with common sense, it's not so common. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, but fun. You know, if you're not able to smile every day, there's room for improvement, you know, and, and I find that no matter what challenge I encounter, that inner confidence I gain through the fitness aspect, you know, this ability to do hard things, do challenging yes. things yes. and know that I have the resilience to not only bring me through it, but also to pick myself up when I fall because I do fall and I fall a lot, you know, uh, figuratively and, and legitimately. <laughs> and, uh, and so that fun and fitness aspect are so critical in that foundation of health because when that foundation is solid, family relationships are better. My working relationships are better. You know, I show up more present, not only for those in my life, but also for myself. And, and so that's sort of what emerged in the five S is really just alliteration to give people sort of some simpler sure. and easier to follow context when they start to use those filters to apply to their own life. Yeah, there's there's so much there to unpack, but I do want to dive in more on the on the fun piece of it, right? Because a few things come to mind, right? Is mm-hmm. you mentioned doing hard things, uh, mm-hmm. and I know from personal experience, even just doing heavy squats, it's it's a simple <laughs> mechanical thing that you're doing with your body, but it's also mm-hmm. a form of meditation and growth that, like very few things in life, that you're able to control and change your body with, and that then causes you to be confident with other things. And I just spoke to. Um, my client, Carol, who, by the way, is going to be on probably the episode before this one when it comes out. And she awesome. talked about how she used to be very, uh, she wouldn't speak her mind. And now that she lifts, mm. she speaks her mind. And so, <laughs> yeah, it's so fantastic. Love so it. I love that. Love so it. when mm. we talk about fun, um, how can we separate the idea of instant gratification fun mm. from mm. true, deep, meaningful fun? Well, yeah, and that's a great question. And, yeah. and it's, I wish I had the, a very straightforward answer. And I, I think as simple as I can answer this is, you know, fun and fulfillment, I think, come in hand in hand, you know, and, and I think all of us are sort of on a, a path to, to want to optimize our level of fulfillment, joy and happiness in our lives, right? And, and we can't help it. But when we're having fun, you know, adrenaline's going. We've got mm-hmm. some other neurotransmitters that are, are, are firing in our brains, you know, giving us that dopamine, that serotonin and, and that lightening of our mood, but also gives us that little bit of an edge to maybe push ourselves to do things that otherwise we would deem we're not capable. And I find that if you can keep it fun, keep it real and just trust that things are going to be okay, because it usually is, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, that, that good things happen. You know, that's where really change not only takes hold, but we gain that, that ability to see ourselves as the change makers for our own lives. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I'll be fair in this statement because, you know, there's been periods in my life where I felt more like a victim of change, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's a tough place to be. It's really hard to find motivation and to, to not continuously procrastinate or find other excuses to not do the things that we know if we just did them yes. more consistently, we'd feel better. You know, and, and, uh, but it's a tough place to be, you know, and, uh, so that's a long winded answer to a a very simple question. (laughs) No, but it's, I think it's required to really think about it and step back because, uh, Mm -hmm. some of the things resonate very much with me as Mm -hmm. a person who will be accused of, um, will be accused of making light of things or, or being Mm -hmm. too positive about things. For example, I I had rotator cuff surgery a a month ago and I've been posting about it and, Everybody's like, man, that's really positive. And then we'll have people that say, you know, I, I had a similar situation. Now I have to have more surgeries. I'm not looking forward mm. to it. 
And I noticed there's a, just a different in mindset of how people approach things um, in terms of like positive psychology. And yeah. we want to be sure not to have what I, the term I've heard is toxic positivity, right? Just like <laughs> faking that it's positive or fun. Yeah. So the idea of, of the neurotransmitters and pushing us to do things we're not capable of, it, it sounds like what you're talking about, again, is has to do with purpose, right? It has to do with growth, mm-hmm. personal growth, purpose moving right. forward. And what, what, what do you say to somebody who wants to take a journey of growth? Let's say it's physical mm-hmm. health and they just don't like what it's going to take. <laughs> so they yeah. know that... that that they need to do something in the training realm, something in the nutrition realm, and you give them 10 options. And for whatever reason, mm. it's just because of their life experiences. Ah, I don't want to do that. I don't like to do that. whatever. How do you, do you try to make that fun somehow? Mm. Or do you have something that gets the flywheel momentum going that then makes it fun because of the results? That's a, oh, I, I love that. <laughs> I love how you frame that, Philip. And, and, because these are conversations that you and I both have very regularly with our clients, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, and just probably our conversations on social, you know, because people know that we do suffer from a chronic ailment called PMA. And for people that don't know that, it's positive mental attitude. And yeah. uh, <laughs> it, it's chronic. It's and yeah, my wife and I are, are we're, yeah. we're guilty. We're sick of it. We're, we're, we're sick of, P, yeah. you know, with PMA. And um, so I can appreciate that sometimes people, we'll just say clam up you know, if they get around people with that kind of outgoing energy. And, you know, I, I am sort of a, a more introverted in certain ways, but I'm also extroverted in certain ways. And, and I think everyone has that ability. And, and here's the interesting thing is to, to answer your question, you know, when we think about change, all of us at whatever stage we are in life have experienced a tremendous amount of change. You know, like to get to wherever we are, We've gone mm-hmm. through lots of changes and it's, it's, it's a given, it's a truth, you know, like Buddha, like 2,600 years ago, he's like, Hey, you know what? This whole universe of ours, it's completely impermanent, constant mm-hmm. state of change, energies exchanging from one thing to the other, you know, law of entropy, science caught up, you know, about a hundred years ago and said, Whoa, Buddha was right. You know, <laughs> you know maybe everything's just a bunch of space and everything's changing. And, and yet, I think a lot of us feel like Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, there's a big boulder barreling down at, behind us. And it's a great metaphor for change, you know, and we feel like we're just trying to escape it. And what I'd like to do is invite people to share with me. Tell me their stories of where they've experienced changes that created a positive result, even though the experience of the actual change might have been negative. And, mm-hmm. and because it, we've all had that, I mean, change isn't necessarily easy. Otherwise, we'd all sign up and say, hey, can you give me some more change, please? You know, like, <laughs> just or, people aren't really lining yes. up for it. Right. And, and especially when it comes to health changes, because, yeah, are they hard? Yeah. Are you having mm-hmm. to rewire the brain to now create a new habit to override an old habit? And if that old habit was a 10 year habit, it's not going to just go away in one or two workouts. Or one or two salads, you know, like Mm -hmm. it it, it takes a commitment and consistent effort and a frequency that is enough that it offsets the negative, you know, and, but it takes commitment. And so I find when people share a story, I'm like, man, you can handle change. You've done it before. Why is this health change so challenging? You know, and, and often you've probably heard about a million and one excuses, Mm -hmm. And I only say excuses because they really are, you know, for the most part. And I mean, if you're using the same excuse more than once, it's a habit, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) and, and, and so it's just a matter of having a good conversation to help people see that they are capable. And, and, and I find once they have that belief and that inner confidence, it at least is enough to get the momentum starting or or create enough inertia for that first step, that first squat, that first squat off the couch, right? Before you take your first step on this new journey. And, uh, yes. and that, yeah. And, and I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Like, I, I'm sure you've had so many different conversations on this. Yeah. I love how you put, when you mentioned a frequency, that's enough to offset the negative. Um, what came to mind to me was the idea of attacking resistance of mm. how we have two sides of the scale here. One is mm. our actions and you can call that willpower or discipline or taking that first step. And on the other side are all the things whether they are excuses or just real things that are very hard for people to overcome, what can you do to reduce that side of the ledger, right? That's actually easier potentially than taking that action. 
yeah. and then taking the action becomes even easier. Now, now some of that also might be extrinsic, like coaches and mm-hmm. your spouse or people who support you, where they're just pushing you to do it, and that's your that's what you need. And then you that's end right. up taking the action. You're like, ah, I don't like this. The next day, ah, I don't like this. And then the third day, well, look what happened this week. I'm feeling great, and like you said, the result produces the motivation from there. There on correct so that 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 is my. That is my thought, Di, but I do I like see it. A, I love it. a spectra of people because there are people who are very just inherently, you know, neg- mm-hmm. e- Eeyores. They're Eeyores. Sure. <laughs> from, yeah. And it's okay. It's it, okay. They, they just need a different type of communication style and maybe love from people. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, Philip, like even just listening to your podcast, like this is a wonderful example of a positive input. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, what do we feed our minds with every day? Right. Like, because right. they are, we're, our brains are sponges. You know, it has the right. ability to pick up and learn new things, to adapt, to evolve, to, to, to be resilient, you know, and, and allow us to, to grow into whatever vision we have for ourselves. But, you know, <laughs> we have to challenge the inputs if the outputs yes. are not the results that we want in life. And, and, you know, so that means, you know, like Jim Rohn used to say, you are the net sum of the five closest relationships that we have or the people that we tend to hang mm-hmm. out with the most. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think there's a lot of truth in that, you know, there's power in association. And so if you're hanging out with a bunch of people that are also Eeyores, I mean, you don't know any other way, you know, sure. like it's just, that's normal. It's your world. It's view. just, yeah. it's exactly right. It's your world perspective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I've been down that path. I've had many points in my life where my perspective was not serving me, but I wasn't really aware of it. And nor mm-hmm. was I willing to open my eyes to it. You know, right. um, until usually you have one of those, oh, heck moments, you know, where it's like, wow, there's a big change that's looking like that boulder that's coming down my path. And if I don't make a change right now, it is right. going to squish me. And there's going to be drastic yeah. shifts in my life that are going to happen as a result. Do I want yeah. that? No. Why don't I want that? Well, here's why. And getting back to that why again, that purpose, that meaning, and which, you know, is... <laughs> Nietzsche said, you know, like, it's like with a strong enough why we can endure any how. And I, and I think there's validity, you know, if you have a big enough purpose, it, it doesn't matter the challenges that come, it will help you through it. I agree. I agree. And, mm-hmm. and having, and once you have that purpose, it sounds like um, another area that people struggle and you alluded to this was mm-hmm. the, the input output system, right? You mentioned mm-hmm. inputs and outputs, and that speaks to my engineering mind in the idea that. <laughs> We could either have an open system or a closed system. And if you don't close it with the feedback and the output to the input, then yes. you just aren't aware. You're just not aware. Correct. Right? <laughs> and so all That's of these right. models are, are helpful for people to understand of why we do things, why we track something or, you know, collect yes. data or listen to a podcast and so on. So that leads me just quite naturally, not intentionally, but quite naturally <laughs> to talk of optimization and uh, what cool. does optimal mean, right? Like in the context mm. of physical and mental health, um, to mm-hmm. me, when I hear the word optimal, I at least have been conditioned on the word mm-hmm. optimal uh, from all the mm-hmm. podcasts and things uh, in the right. fitness world. It's it's uh, as close to perfection as you can get, right? That's <laughs> like the, but then the other <laughs> side is um, you're never going to be perfect. So no. what's best for you? And is that optimal? So what does it mean to you? What does optimal mean to you? Well, so here's something that I had to learn and I kind of learned it the hard way because I think I was resistant to it initially, uh, especially as I was aging, you know, entering into my 30s, mid 30s, especially, you know, I was still able to train at high intensities, like very, very high intensity, really challenge myself. And, and yet my body was changing. You know, it was, there were certain shifts, like things that I would do in my 20s, where if I tweaked something the next day, I'm, well, I can go lift again, or I can go train again. Like I just would sort of work through it. And it felt like my body was more resilient or just had this better recovery ability. And, and it, you know, it may have been true. It may not have been, you know, it could have been just my twenties and my, my stubbornness, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. to just push yep. through it. But then as I got into my thirties and as my kids were getting older, I realized that I had to sort of shift things because my life was shifting. And so I had to challenge sort of my belief systems around what is optimal, especially when it comes to health and fitness. Because it's such a big part of my life, just like yourself. Like it's been an integral foundational piece for me. It's really what got me started on this trajectory that I've been on, you know, since I was 15. And I I don't discount that, you know, it's it's important to me. And 
I have to keep honoring that peace in me that knows that if I maintain certain levels of fitness, my health, resiliency, my ability to manage stress, my autonomic nervous system, you, you know, it's in a much better place. And in my mid thirties, and here's, there was a sort of that critical moment where I really had to own this and it was forced upon, me. you know, full disclosure forced upon me, you know, um, I did a Tough mutter. It was the first time they came to Canada. They did it up at Whistler, BC. Um, I went out for it. We had a, a number of friends that came and did it with us. It was amazing. I, I love those kind of obstacle course races. Like, I really enjoy it. Like, Spartan, Tough mutter. Like, I just, I love them. I love them. And I, I don't mm -hmm. do it to race it. I do it to complete it. Just to say, I did, and I can, and I will do it again, you know? And yep, yep. and um, after that first Tough mutter experience, and and full disclosure, I'm not a runner. Okay. I, I'm not a distant runner. I'm, I'm a great sprinter. <laughs> but sure. I, I do not do long distances because I, I do have a lot of muscle mass and I just, I don't really enjoy running long distances. I feel you. I feel you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. Um, but, but my, my thighs got chafed and a little bit of a, a rash after all that, you know, it's like just about, it's about a half marathon distance and, and I'm not conditioned for that. So I got this a little bit of scrape. Within the next 24 hours, just this infection took hold oh, and man. my body was systemically shutting down and we rushed me to the ER. <laughs> they took a quick blood test. My neutrophils flatlined and neutrophils mm -hmm. is what neutralizes viral infections and bacteria. And they were like, like, what's going on here? They thought maybe I had a form of leukemia that I would, was undiagnosed. And so there was a lot of fear setting in at this point, right? Sure. And ended up being hospitalized for 10 days. You know, and they had me on this like massive antibiotic drip and they were pumping me full of uh, um, uh, Neupogen, which is a, a, a common biological drug that they use to treat people that are fighting various forms of cancer because it bolsters your immune system. It gets your hmm. bone marrow overproducing okay. uh, neutrophils and other, uh, you know, important pieces for our, our ability to recover sure. and, and defend ourselves. And anyways, I, I, my immune system crashed and... Uh, Three bone marrow biopsies later and a series of other tests, we, we were able to determine that I have an autoimmune condition that I've probably had all my life up to that point, but had okay. never really been challenged to that extent. And so all of a sudden, I became hyper aware that, wow, certain ways that I eat, certain ways that I manage stress, certain ways that I train, you know, especially if it creates huge inflammatory responses, that can be really challenging on my immune system. So all of a sudden, here I am in my mid-30s, and I'd done things a certain way for so long. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to adapt. I need to change. I need to adapt how I'm going to train because I've got this underlying chronic health condition that's not going to go away. But yet I do not want to compromise my quality of life. I still want to be able to do all the things that I want to do. Right. I want to experience all the things I want to experience. I want to, I want to live life, you know, to its fullest, no matter my age. And it's not an excuse. It's an input. No. Yeah. It, it was, yeah. and, and but it was challenging because I had to yeah. discover new ways of doing things, new, especially around training and nutrition. Yeah. Nutrition was the, the biggest one, actually. And uh, But after I endured that and worked through it, you know, it took a couple of years to really develop a new lifestyle from that. It unlocked something in me, you know, and as I pivoted into my 40s and now I, I'm just looking down the barrel of the gun at 47, I'm actually the fittest and healthiest than I've ever been in my life. And it didn't happen by accident. But that critical moment yep. at 35 shifted my trajectory entirely, and I had to learn a new way of doing things. But man, it, it helped. And, and so my, my idea of being optimal now is really, it's all about longevity and vitality. Being able to be the best version of myself and be present for myself in my own life, and to, to live a life where I can say yes to the challenges that presented to me. You know, And uh, I had a client of mine, he wanted this year, we always like to set a, a big physical goal, you know, because there's also a huge mental piece to those big physical goals. And uh, we decided to do the West Coast Trail. You know, he was going to do it. And it's an 80K hike out in the off grid out in the bush and uh, <laughs> the western coastline okay. of, of Vancouver Island and um, very rugged hike. And uh, I was like, you know what, I'll do it with. And uh, if I didn't have that belief in myself and that confidence in my health, my ability to to just navigate that, I wouldn't have said yes. And I would have missed out on one of the greatest things that I've ever experienced in my life, you know? So yeah, anyways, big, big long-winded story yeah. to sort of try to give you some context there around what optimal means to me. Not at all. And con yeah, context is everything. Um, mm -hmm. Because that, 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 that leads to some follow-ups that I wasn't uh, planning on asking. And now it makes <laughs> a lot of sense. 
when it comes to anyone determining their optimal, because you mentioned health, longevity, vitality, mm-hmm. you know, and, and these are great words, but we want to, we want to define things. And we also want to sure. talk about what's relevant to different people, because here's mm-hmm. where I'm going. Different people of different ages, different phases of their life. Like you said, in your twenties, yeah. very different from your thirties. And then when yeah. you discovered your autoimmune condition, um, and, and many of us, as we get older, have injuries and, yeah. you know, stress is higher and there's lots of changes. Um, so where you're starting on where you want to go and the balance, there are trade-offs. So where I'm going is there are trade-offs mm-hmm. to everything. So yeah. for example, if someone is, is just getting to started with their lifting and said, well, I want to live a long life, do, mm-hmm. they, do they compromise some aspects that you care for for longevity because they really mm-hmm. want to focus on getting super strong and eating more food, which it, they wouldn't do forever because it could impact their longevity. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I do. All, all the goals, do. all the health yeah. goals we have, performance, um, physique, uh, longevity, they sometimes conflict. And so what are your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. I, that's a great point. Wonderful point, actually, Philip. And, and I appreciate you just giving me that sort of clarity around that, that question, you know? And, and um, I, I guess I, I, just to play with the example that you shared is someone had this goal to be super strong, right? And, and maybe to put on a, quite a bit of muscle mass th- th- in conjunction with that. Uh, so obviously, yeah, their, their, their calorie intake is going to go up, um, but also their volume, you know, their training volume will probably go up as well, especially when it comes to mm-hmm. loading and time under tension, all that other good stuff. But um, my biggest question is going to be, why? Like, why? What, like, what is it about that goal that's really pulling me right now? You know, and, and it is. A goal should be pulling, not just pushing, right? You're pushing yourself to go mm-hmm. for the goal, but that goal, is it like, a magnet pulling you towards it. And, and, but why, what is the outcome? Like, what does it look like when you're there? Can you define what there is? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because I, I think it's important for them to understand what is that motivation, both intrinsically and extrinsically, that's helping them channel this energy and commitment because you're right. Everything comes with a cost. You know, I'm going to say yes to this. There's going to be inevitably things I'm going to have to say no to. You know, it's like, oh, I wanted to train for my first Ironman. I'm like, well, you want to do that and get super strong? Uh, well, <laughs> you know what? That might not work very well for you. You, you know, it's going to be, you're going to be really eating a lot <laughs> and you're going to be training mm-hmm. all the time. And, and yet you're running a successful business. You know, you're putting in 50 to 60 hours a week plus your family time. Like, when are you going to make it all happen? Right. Like, let's get real. Yeah. That struggle with the juggle is legit, man. And, and, and so that's just one example. I think it, 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 it has to be more context through conversation and, and, and clarity sure. through, through dialogue, you know? And, uh, but I, I know for myself, when I have those inner conversations, it's always nice to talk to somebody externally, you know, whether it's a coach, a mentor, yes. a, an accountability partner, I mean, whatever that is, it's nice to have a sounding board to sort of speak through the ideas and the things that we want to accomplish or do. And yes, and recognize it might just be a season of that. You know, and, and it, that season could, you know, I'm not saying it's like three months, like a quarter in a year, like it, maybe it's a couple of years. That would be your commitment. You know, like I look at professional bodybuilders. I mean, they have an off season, guys. That's a great example. And, and so yeah. it's recognizing the seasonality of it all as well. Shout out to Philippe. I know Philippe for a long time. I know how passionate he is about healthy eating and body strength. And that's why I choose him to be my coach. I was no stranger to dieting and body training, but I always struggled to do it sustainably. Philip helped me prioritize my goals with evidence-based recommendations while not overstressing my body and not feeling like I'm starving. In six months, I lost 45 pounds without drastically changing the foods I enjoy, but now I have a more balanced diet. I weight train consistently, but most importantly, I do it sustainably. If a scientifically sound, healthy diet, and a lean, strong body is what you're looking for. Uh, Philip Pape is your guy. I competed for the first time again in the CrossFit Open this year, but I'd taken a hiatus for about six, seven years. I had a couple hernias, and you talk about injuries, a shoulder injury. Like I could list off all the sure. injuries I've had, right? And, and so I just wanted to take a break from the competition side of things so I could mm-hmm. just get back to a place of just feeling great, waking up in the morning, not feeling any aches and pains, and and, but it took a lot of time for me to really focus on mobility, flexibility, as well as conditioning with body weight exercises, calisthenics. And, and so I took a break from lifting for a while, you know, and my body thrived mm. and it was awesome. 
And and then I started to introduce weights again, but I'm not going to go for one rep maxes. I don't even go for three rep maxes that often, you know, unless it's a testing cycle at the beginning or the end of like a, a cycle of, of training. Um, and that works for me. You know, it works yeah. for me. And, and and because I understand what optimal means for me, I understand what my expectations are of me. And I also know why I'm doing it. And, and I think that is the clarity piece that people require to really fully answer the question that you ask, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I want to I want to come to the why. I have a question related to that, but but yeah. first, the the concept of mixing things up and all these things you've tried and experimented mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. strikes me as a very valuable thing to do as well. Of sometimes mm-hmm. you don't know <laughs> why not not that you don't know the deep why behind your mm-hmm. overall ac- activities in your life, but sometimes you don't know whether or why to do something specifically, right? Like, yeah. like you said, the CrossFit games. Somebody might be interested in that, and when you ask them why. Just because, because I want to, there may not be a deep why to that one, in my opinion, I think, because, because of personal experience, um, even though there's a bigger why to their life. So in trying to figure out your why, I'm assuming there's no wrong answer, right? Everybody's why is their why. Um, how does, how does someone do that when they, when they just want to try something for the first time? Let's say they want to get shredded, you know, like, like they, they've gone around, they built all this muscle and they're like, you know what? What those bodybuilders do, I know it's crazy. Everybody says they're miserable at the end of the the cut. I don't yeah. care. I really want to see if I can do it. Is that a good enough why? You know what I mean? So what are your thoughts well, on that? I, I think that's I think it's absolutely correct to say, is it a is it a big enough why? For them, it is. Yeah. You know, just to prove to them because it does require like to get to that level of leanness. It, it yeah. is a commitment and it is not easy at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. I uh uh, for the longest time in my past company, one, one of our, our key guys, you know, was a professional natural bodybuilder, you know. And so during the season, though, especially when he was cutting for competition, God, it was miserable. <laughs> you know, like he was, yeah. was like walking around on eggshells and, and he had his watch and his phone. He had all these redundancies set, walked around with this massive cooler. And it, it'd be like, I, I'm not going to go talk to that customer right now because my watch went off a minute ago and I got to eat right now. You know, and, and it was like yeah. it, just the level of rigidity. And non-negotiables, it was, was immense. And, but for him, it was the mental challenge of it all, you know, like mentally sound, like I have never met somebody so committed to, to an end result. And it's also why he's been extremely successful, you know, in in every competition he's placed in the top, you know, and it's phenomenal, but it it came with a lot of, and I'm going to say the word sacrifice for sure. You know, and so um, the why, and and I think this is kind of the interesting thing, you know, we think about like, what's the meaning of life? Well, it's like, well, what's the meaning of life to you? And whatever answer that person gives, great. That's true to them. There's no right or wrong. It's that's their perspective. You define the meaning in your own life. And I think the same can apply with the why. And uh, if it's just to prove that, hey, I can do something really hard. Just to say, I've, I've done it and I've done things like that too. Uh, you know, I did stand up comedy a, a, as an example. Like, I needed a challenge and it was something that intimidated the heck out of me. And I was like, gosh, getting up on stage for five minutes and trying to make people laugh. Well, that sounds really freaking hard. <laughs> and, yeah. and that scares the poop out of me, you know? And I was like, you know what, though? I want to do it just to say I could, I did it. And, and, you know, and then after I did it, I was like, man, could I do it again? And I, I repeated it. I did it a second time, you know? And and uh, now I've had a break for a number of months, but it, it was just, it was nice, you know, to, to do yeah. something that I was so intimidated by and to come out on the other side after it all happened and realize, you know what, it wasn't as bad as I envisioned it was going to be, <laughs> yes. you know? Yes. And, and, and so that's, you know, again, some stories to sort of get some context here, but that, that's some of my beliefs around me, you know? Yeah. That's another very powerful thought that, doing something intimidating. You said, quote, doing something intimidating was nice. And there's a lot in that statement because I can think of any time I've done something scary, like for me in Toastmasters doing speech contests was scary. They're still scary and still do them. And I've actually blanked out on stage and I still do them because I know there's some growth that comes from that regardless. And things that are easy, you just don't get that growth from right there. Yeah, you know, they're easy. There's, uh, it's kind of like um, in positive psychology. There's a a model of, oh, what is it here? It's um, flow. You know the flow model, mm, getting into yeah, flow, yeah, where yeah. the optimal state of flow is the right balance between skill and challenge. So mm. if your challenge isn't 
it's it's too high, you're just going to have anxiety because there's no way you could possibly deal with it right now. But if the challenge is just past your skills, it's gets you in that state of like deep, undistracted flow toward that. Anyway, I'm also so, getting off on tangents here. I, no, it's not. I think it's all relevant to the yeah, conversation yeah. we're yeah, having. I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it, Philip. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love the way your mind works as well. So uh, <laughs> continue, continue. No, no. Okay. So if somebody, somebody says, here's how I want to do this. You've had those conversations. Yeah. They've challenged themselves, maybe have good people in their life to challenge them. Yeah. And then they want to take the steps forward. We mm-hmm. know that on day two, your plan goes out the window. Like that's just reality. Okay? <laughs> um, yep. and, and, and so, you know, uh, at least the way I put it with my clients is like, we don't, we're never, almost never going to be on the path, but we're going to be somewhere near it and we'll end up mm-hmm. at the destination. Right? right. And so you've got to have the if then kind of choices and, and contingencies along the way. So given that there's uncertainty, that there's change, yeah. that there's complexity, how do you adapt your strategies to quote unquote mm-hmm. optimize? So you keep, keep going forward. Yeah, I guess it, it depends on what aspect of, of the, our lives that, or life that we're looking to optimize, you know, cause I, I always recognize that there's probably areas that need more attention than others. Hmm. And yet we all like to do things that we do really well at, you know? And, and so it's also finding oh, sort of that, that ability to shift between those two areas and recognize that, you know, there's going to be some of these things I'm going to have to develop new skills. You know, it's things I haven't done before. or I've never done very well. Well, it's going to need some extra time and attention, mm. maybe some extra resources. Maybe I need to hire a coach or someone to support me through that. You know, like I, I do workshops frequently. Like I recently, I, I did with my younger daughter. You know, we went and did a, a gymnastics workshop that focused predominantly on rings and handstands. And why? Because I'm a big dude, man. I'm 210, you know, like 6'1". And uh, there's nothing light about me. And trying to do gymnastics, especially on rings... It's yeah. tough, you know, really <laughs> tough. It's hard on my body. And, but I also know it's like, I don't, I believe I have the strength, but I know I don't have the technique and the skill. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we did a six hour workshop and it helped by the end of it. You know, I was doing muscle ups and it was awesome. I was like, wow, you know, like, and, yes. and, and so that confidence and that confirmation that I can do something that I believed I couldn't do before, that was the piece that really solidified why I committed to doing it because I love having those little self discovery moments where it's mm. like, Holy smokes, I did it. Wow. Wow. Like I always laugh about Nike, just do it. What a great slogan. It's awesome. Sure. <laughs> but you know, what's better than that. I just did it. You know, yeah. like that is <laughs> I I, freaking it. amazing because it's, it's the completion or the result of the action that we committed to doing, especially when a lot of times there's huge uncertainty. We don't know the future. We don't know what will happen when we try that thing. You know, and and so mm. it's this self trust. I, I believe that we do, we sort of um, foster in ourselves as we just navigate these paths, as you mentioned. And but also remember, you know, sometimes you got to go bushwhacking. <laughs> like, yeah. There might not be a path there for you to follow, that's but true. that's okay. That's it's okay. You know, yeah. um, you're capable. You're, and what's the worst case scenario? You know, I always uh, Tim Ferriss that that TED talk he did. I mean, I don't know how long ago. Maybe it was 15, 16 years ago, but um, you know, he talks about fear setting exercises, you know, this idea of just asking yourself, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen if I go and try to do this thing? You know, he's taking that sort of stoic philosophy and he's applying it to that, you know, and, and just saying like, what is the worst case scenarios? Yeah. Because when you start to look at it, you can actually logic will take over because a lot of it's fear based. Right. But then all of a sudden when you let logic sort of look at it, it's like, would that really happen? I mean, I guess it could, could aliens yeah. come down and, you know, like, yeah, I mean, it could happen, but well, it no, I'm going to be able to do Spartan that day, you know, like, that is true. It, it, and, and so, but I found that exercise really, really powerful for myself because it helped me mm. eliminate a lot of these fears that I knew were there, but I couldn't necessarily articulate or, or reason through. And, and sometimes you just got to go through that process, you know? Yeah. Now the exercise specifically you're talking about now is just asking what's the worst that can happen. Is that what mm-hmm. you're saying? Yes. Yeah. No, I love that because even if, so I had mentioned before flow and challenge and everything, but even if something does seem insurmountable, mm-hmm. why not try it anyway, potentially, and at least push yourself toward that, you know, thing. Um, you mentioned that new challenging things require extra resources. That stuck with me mm-hmm. too, because it brought up two things. One is the idea of balance of mm-hmm. you can't be doing challenging things all day necessarily because you get burned out. Uh, I can yeah. tell you, I can go all day. And when my brain is starting to feel tired before my body feels tired, 
I know I've just been doing too many just on things and I have to go and sit you know, or go for a walk yes. or talk to my wife or play a video game. I don't care what it is. Something that requires no brain power whatsoever. Yes. Um, that. And then also the fact that when you have a new, very challenging thing, especially when it's brand new, like it could mm-hmm. be, uh, like you said, lifting the, the bar for the first time or whatever. Yeah. For me, when it was uh, 12 years ago, joining Toastmasters for the first time, and I, I had never done this before, of taking the time and decide what do you need in your life to support that? Like, don't just mm. waddle around, you know, hoping that it'll work in the same way all of your uh, high strength existing skills work, but rather, yes. do I need a group to join? Do I need to read a book? Do I need to join a course? Do I get a coach? Just take time to think about it in my daily yeah. schedule and so on. I'm not really asking a question here other than trying to connect with everything you said, because I think it's great. <laughs> I agree. I, I agree. And, you know, Toastmasters for me, it, it opened up a whole new path in my life. Yeah. Because I was intimidated by public speaking, you know, like yeah. that, that idea of speaking in front of a group, especially large groups of peers or pe- even people in my own industry, even though people that I believe are part, I'm part of the same tribe, like that intimidated the heck out of me, like very, very much fearful of it, you know, and yes. Toastmasters was that thing that allowed me to channel through it. And, and Love do it. I still get nervous as all heck? Yeah, I do. Do my hands sweat? Yes. Does my heart rate raise? Yeah, it all does. But. I can channel that that sort of anxiety or anxiousness into something that can make an impact. And that was why I wanted to do it because I believed I was being called to do something more. And I think we all are on that path. You know, we all have that inkling in us that's pulling us to do something greater than we thought we were capable of doing because we do have that potential. And then it's just unfortunate. And a lot of times it goes unrealized, you know, and uh, all it took was a a mentor to tell me, like when I asked him, I said, listen, you're amazing at this. Like, what's one thing I could do to to just be a little bit like you? He's like, I'll give you one word. Toastmasters. That was a Friday conversation. I went home and I Googled on the Toastmasters website. I found my nearest club location. I showed up on the Monday morning and it was called early edition Toastmasters because they meet at 630 Monday mornings. And it became a part of my every day for the next four and a half years. And then eventually moved on because we moved and relocated. So I found a new club, but it's always been a part of my life, you know, and, and it's helped so much, so much. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's an amazing organization. And I, I've talked about it on the show multiple times and I've met guests who yeah. I had no idea. And after, afterward, they're like, Hey, have you heard of Toastmasters? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, everybody, I tell everybody about it. I say, <laughs> At least for me, two things that'll improve your confidence dramatically is yeah. lift weights, heavy weights, and join Toastmasters. You know, like both those so things, among others, right? <laughs> yeah, um, but you're right, though. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But you mentioned so you mentioned also the nervousness, and mm-hmm. somebody somebody mentioned recently um, she was starting a she just started a podcast. So I love mm-hmm. talking to people. Who, so I'm coming up on episode 100, and. I feel like I just started and I'm still have a lot to grow. But then I realized people just getting started, you know, have a lot of anxiety about the technical Mm. side and speaking to people and so on. Mm. And I said, you know, that just means you care and it's something you should be doing. Like everything Uh, that makes me nervous in my life, I continue to gravitate toward because I think there's value there. What do you, what do you think? uh, I agree. hundred percent. You know, like uh, it's, I just, you know, sort of looking at that as a filter in my own life and you're absolutely correct. Yeah. You know, and, and, and was it hard to make the commitment to even push myself to try those things? Yeah. Yes. But just trying is one thing, but showing up the second time and a third time, you know, to sort of long winded circle here, you know, to get back to your questions like day two, mm-hmm. the plan goes out the window. Well, it's yeah. just that, but you showed up for day two, mm-hmm. you know, you, you showed up for it. You yes. did it day one. And then like, I, I still coach CrossFit, you know, I'm the fill in guy at the gym. Like, so just if the other coaches are sick and they need someone to cover, I'll go in and I'll, I'll cover because I love the community element. I love coaching and helping people. Um, and so I like to, to, to be part of that community and support it that way. And, and I always say to people like, you know, especially when you get these new people here, I'm like, yeah, sure. They show up for that first session. Right. And they might've done a foundations and then they show up to class for the first time, or maybe they just came from, you know, a regular sort of a, a Globo gym, you know, where they've had more of a traditional sort of uh, uh, history of training. Now they're being introduced to CrossFit for the first time, which is very different than than what I was accustomed to prior to joining Toast. Uh, sorry, CrossFit, t- trying it for the first time. But those people that show up for the second time, I'm like, good on you. You know, oh, yeah. good on you. And uh, I think it's phenomenal. And, and I like to remind people because I often w- will have these conversations with women and we talk about lifting weights and getting stronger and the confidence it does for them. And, yes. and so many women I've met have said, I'd love to just be able to do a pull up. 
I'd love mm-hmm. to be able to pull my my dead weight hanging on a bar to get yes. my chin above it. And I'm like, you know what? That's a great goal to work towards. And you know, we'll start with, you know, maybe some ring ropes, you know, maybe we'll get to some LED feet ring ropes. We'll use a band on the bar. We'll start to condition your body to be able to handle that. And here's the cool thing. I know you can do it and you're going to get there. And the day that you get that first pull up, that's a hundred percent improvement. <laughs> you know, like we, we, we one, do, yeah. how often do you get to say I have a hundred percent improvement? Like that's perfection, yeah. right? Now, after that, sure. it's diminishing returns, but you know, <laughs> regardless, to go from zero to one is always the most rewarding part of the process. Mm. You know, always. And and the confidence and belief that comes from that achievement is remarkable. And, and so I always encourage people is, yeah, you're going to get started and you're going to hit that first milestone and realize it's the first of many. But that first one is so critical because it will set the tone as well as the path for you to follow after, you know, and so yes. it's just maintaining your, your self-commitment to that first milestone. Well, and I'm making a connection between that, that, that first of something. And mm-hmm. kind of the dopamine hit you get. And like you oh, talked yeah. about fun, that is a version of fun. And, and it's knowing that it's hard, yeah. embrace that, right? Because knowing that it's hard means when you do it, it's going to be fun. And, and yes. we're kind of connecting it all back. I, I was thinking just this week. Yeah. So I started lifting again last week with nice. three limbs. How's the shoulder? <laughs> yeah, is your shoulder okay? I can't, I can't okay? use it. I'm not allowed to yeah. use it for yeah. lifting yet. But I tried a one-arm deadlift. Not a one-leg oh. deadlift, a one-arm oh. deadlift. <laughs> And I was like, wow. this is pretty cool. But I was all wobbly and weird. And, you know, yeah. stabilization wasn't there because it's like like you're a newbie again. And yeah. it was all wonky and I, out of balance, but I did it. And then this today I did it again. I'm like, it was super solid and felt light. And I'm, it always reminds me how quickly, you know, you make progress. Like you said, eventually it's diminishing yeah. returns. But that initial burst and that adaptation you get from it applies to anything. Not not just for Correct. physical. Don't you agree? That's it's, right. It's everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's... Yeah it's awesome, but it's, it's, it's the, like why I keep and why I've been coaching and mentoring people for almost 30 years now is I love being able to see, see, I told you so. I saw that potential in you. I teased it out a little bit and you did it. And now, you know, you did it and you did that. You did that. I didn't do it. You did that, you know? And, and that is that fulfillment piece that I get. I, I just absolutely love that moment where they're like, yeah, you did tell me. And I did do it. And it's like, just seeing that in their eyes is like, oh, man, it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. I, I agree. And I think it comes from maybe our confidence as well, be knowing that it's going to work for them. So then that the counter mm. to that, just to be on the little slightly uh, negative side here, is sure. people have self-doubt because yeah. they've tried yeah. many things to get that outcome. And, and we know in health and fitness, this is all the time. Cause I hear like, I hear people say I've, I'm, I'm in my forties or fifties. Now the weight's not coming off or whatever's not happening. And what I used to do doesn't work anymore. Or, you know, I run a lot and I work out seven days a week. Why isn't it working? You know, <laughs> or I've been cutting yeah. calories for three years. Why isn't it working? Right. And I'm being a little facetious, but how does someone get that confidence back without being, uh, manipulated or, or thinking mm. that they're going to meet up with another huckster or charlatan because there's so many out there. Yeah. How do, how do we, how do we give people their own power and agency to recognize that and, and find that person? I think the agency word is great because that's really what it boils down to. Right. And, uh, but I'm trying to think of an example, I, I guess if you think about health, cause you know, let's, let's talk about health. Let's talk about fitness. You know, it, it's, um, it's helping them achieve that first win. I, I find people with that sort of negative mindset or that, that maybe that disbelief that they can do it because they've had so many previous experiences that has been able to prove this new bias that they have for themselves. Right. Like it's, it's, it is, it's a bias. Yes. It's like, I, I have this underlying bias that I don't believe I can do it. And I'm like, well, do you understand what these biases do? You know, it's like little programs that run in the background and mm-hmm. you're going to do whatever you can, especially your subconscious to prove that that's a correct belief. And so that idea of self-sabotage is very, very real. Oh, man, I've, gosh, I, I don't know how many times I've done it, okay? Like, <laughs> I don't think anybody is immune to it. But recognizing when it's happening is a skill that can be developed. You know, that self-talk can be developed. It can be nurtured. And I think that's a good place to always begin. You know, it's that awareness piece, that mindfulness piece of oneself. And, and some of those past beliefs being challenged. And I find the simplest way to do that is help them achieve a win very early on. 
very early on, you know, something that does give that little dopamine hit, right? But also mm-hmm. it's like, whoa, okay, I didn't believe I could lose this this extra five pounds. And yet I just did it. You know, and I'm like, well, you didn't lose it. You released it. It's gone, man. It's never coming back, you know? And and right, right. And they're like, oh yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. But but also oh, like now that. it's this, this belief. This belief is now being redefined. And and it didn't take a massive shift, a full 180 change in direction to make that happen. You know, so it's starting with that smallest of wins. And I find that if you have that and you have it early enough on. It's going to be the unwinding of a lot of those belief systems that might have been ruling your life up to that moment. And, and the, here's the crazy thing is those belief systems, they're connected to all areas of our life. All areas. It impacts everything, you know, mm-hmm. everything. Sure. It's not just a fitness thing. It's not just a nutrition thing. You know, it, it's not just a mental health. It's, it's everything, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and if you believe that it's an isolated thing that doesn't affect other areas, I'm just going to say it. You're wrong. You're wrong. And if you look at the web of your life, you'll see that everything's interconnected. And and mm-hmm. so the way there's that, that quote, I forget who said it, but you know, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. It's true. You know, it's true. Yeah. Like you'll see that, that, that belief system repeat itself in other ways. And and so it's, it's important to learn a new way of doing things, you know? Oh, that, yeah. What you just said um, reminds me of the broaden and build theory from psychology. I think it's Barbara. Um, oh, what's her last name? I should know this. Broaden and build the idea that your personal resources spiral upward uh, once you get um, these wins or once you start to change your belief, like you said, on one thing, it just makes the others, yeah. it unlocks the rest and it spirals up cool. the upward, opposite of a downward spiral, right? Very cool. Uh, and, 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 and that's true. So, the other thing that came to mind there, Dai, is like when we say I can't, uh, if mm. we can just use our logical brain and really dissect, are we talking about a physical limitation in the law of physics, right? Like in the law of the universe, like I can't fly. Okay. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Logically, that's yeah. true. But 99.9% of the time, the I can't is more of a, a self-limiting mm. belief, like you said. Correct. It's not, and, and so just assume that you can and see what that does for you. I don't know. That's, that's my thought on it. It's yeah. like, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I'll, I'll challenge people when I hear that. I'm like, no, I, I'd rather you just choose not to, mm-hmm. you know, like I want you to, to be fully that. aware that you're choosing not to do this. It's not a matter of yes. you're limited, like you don't have the ability to do it. You're, you're choosing not to do it. You're choosing not to prioritize yourself. You know, it's like, that's okay. But it's not, listen, you are talented. You are capable. You have been gifted this life to accomplish cool stuff. And if you mm-hmm. keep saying you can't do it, it's not a matter of can't. It's just that you're choosing not to yeah. own it. And if you own it, I'm okay with that. And you should be okay with it too, mm-hmm. you know, and stop complaining about it, you know, <laughs> stop talking about it. Just own that. That's your decision. You're not going to do it. Like I, I had to get to that place of surfing. As an example, you know, we were living in Bali for two and a half years before the pandemic. And I was like, everybody surfs here. Man, it looks cool. I want to try it. I had a bunch of lessons, kept trying it and trying it. And then I got to a place where I was like, you know, I'm doing this because it looks cool. I'm not actually doing it because I enjoy it. Because I don't enjoy it. Keep getting pummeled. (laughs) You know, I'm a sinker. I'm not a swimmer. Okay. And um, I was just like, no, I'm I'm just, I choose not to do surfing. I choose not to surf. I'm okay with that. But I had to get yeah. to that place to own it, you know, because I found myself saying, I yes. can't serve. I found myself saying that I hate it. My wife is like, she's really funny, but she's like, no, that's a four letter C word we never say in our house, yeah. you know, and, and, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, you choose not enough. to serve, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, I had to get to a place to say, I choose not to serve. I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. And I own it. And I've got no problem with that. I don't think about like, oh man, I failed or I didn't like, I got to a place. I was just like, right. you know, I just, right. I choose. I, I, there's other things I'd rather do. You know, it's true. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, you're right. The way we talk to ourselves and the way we speak is so critical. And that's also something very valuable we learned through Toastmasters, right? Through that practice and yeah. feedback. Yeah. It's amazing to see some of the defaults that we have when it comes to communicating, not only with ourselves, but especially with others. Agree. And, and that feedback yeah. just gives you more knowledge of who you are and what yeah. you can do. And, yeah. uh, you know, the, the counter to the, the surfing mm-hmm. example, because that, that reminds me of something that you, you maybe could have gotten good at, but you just chose not to do because you didn't enjoy mm-hmm. it. The opposite would be you might be good at things and not mm-hmm. enjoy them as well, right? And it's yeah. okay. Just choose yeah. not to do them. And get... so, Okay, so I want to respect your time. We only have a few minutes. I did want to ask 
one I could talk to you for hours, Di. This has been awesome. Like I, <laughs> Thanks, I, I, I never know what's gonna come of these. Jamming, man. I'm jamming. <laughs> I, I love this, man. It's, it's been a great, great conversation. Yeah. Uh, but I do ask this of everyone on the show. So I don't know mm-hmm. if you, you heard one of my shows toward the end, and that is what one question did you wish I had asked? And what is your answer? Well, you know, I, I heard this uh, question and I've been thinking about it. And, and you know, I, for, for me, it's it's rather cliche, to be honest with you. You know, it's mm-hmm. like if given the opportunity to do anything different, would I choose to do it differently? Yeah. And I, I think about some of those really hard moments in my life. You know, really hard moments. Like when I struggle with alcohol and narcotics, you know, there's a period of my life there that was really dark. And, you know, it's easy. There's a part of me that's like, yeah, I wish that never happened. Because there was, there was a lot of shame and guilt wrapped up in that, you know, and a lot of, a lot of self ridicule. And, and, and it's a, it's a hard place to come from, especially when you're trying to make changes, you know, because you feel like you got this ball and chain that's just dragging behind you. And, but it's those amazing struggles in my life. And I can say amazing now. When I'm going through it, I wouldn't say it was amazing. <laughs> you know? But in reflecting and after introspecting and, and looking at where my life went as a result of me saying, you know what, I'm worth the change. And I'm choosing my life over this thing that was consuming my life. Hmm. I would do it all the same. I would. You know, even knowing that that was the path I was on and that was coming and I was going to have to go through it again, I would do it because my life right now is a result of that moment yeah. in time that I had to go through that struggle. And, and, and that's something that I always think about, you know, I'm like, man, if I could redo things, would I redo it? And because it's amazing how the mind works. Plus, I love sci-fi, you know, you can see all my comic Butterfly books behind fact me. And, yeah, yeah, just all that realities. Stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Like the metaverse, right? And and uh, and so I love... And you know how that story thinking. goes, though, with the alternate reality. It's always worse. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, well, that's you know? that's what they tend to... They keep hammering that home, right? And if anyone's yeah, seen yeah. that new Flash movie, they really hammer it home in that quite well. But uh, it wasn't a great movie. But uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> I digress. Yeah. But yeah, that, that would be the question. That would be the question. Yeah. yeah. No, I love it. Uh, I thought initially you were saying that my question was cliche, and I was like, "Where did you no, go with this?" And you were saying, "I meant that my I, no," and, and I, I got sorry. that after yeah, yeah. A, few, a second yeah. or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, cool, cool. All right. So, last question, of course, is where do you want folks to learn more about you and your work? Uh, well, well, thank you, Philip, again for today's conversation, and thank you for creating a space to capture these conversations. You know, like it, it, all of us get to be That's flies on the wall and, and learn all these new perspectives, but also, mm-hmm. you know. That, it's hearing that one little nugget that shifts everything, yes. right? It's, it's just immense. And, uh, and so thank you for, for putting so much value at all of us. And, uh, you know, for me, I'm, I'm very active on Instagram, LinkedIn, and fairly active on Facebook, but I would say Instagram and LinkedIn, you know, easiest places to find me. If you can spell my name right, you'll find me. Cause I'm like the only one with it, you know, and die is a Welsh name for David, D-A-I. Manuel is Portuguese, M-A-N-U-E-L. Uh, I know people are like, whoa, that's weird. And I'm like, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> and, but I'm Canadian. Don't worry about it. Okay. So uh, there you go. Um, I'm just to blend and uh, yeah, reach out, connect. I, I love having conversations. You know, I love hearing what people are are proud of accomplishing. You know, what are they yes. working towards? I just, yeah. I just love hearing stories. So uh, please share, 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 share. <laughs> there it is. And thank you for filling this space. I mean, you talked about the space, but thank you for filling it with so much energy today um, no, to bursting. You. It was wonderful. Uh, I will I will throw the links in there for for your IG, your LinkedIn, and also your book, The Whole Life Fitness Manifesto. I can throw oh, that thank in you as well so people find Appreciate out about that. it. And uh, that's it. Thank you again for coming on the show. It was a blast. Philip, thank you. I honestly really honored. And uh, finally, I'm I'm in the process of prepping to get my own podcast. I can't wait to get you on so I can grill oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> I would love it. I would love it. I love jamming. Let's do it. Yeah, it's on. All right. Take it easy. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Wits and Weights. If you found value in today's episode and know someone else who's looking to level up their wits or weights, please take a moment to share this episode with them. And make sure to hit the follow button in your podcast platform right now to catch the next episode. Until then, stay strong.
Hey, before you go, I want to let you know about a free resource I have. They are free guides on everything from fat loss to eating out to building muscle to managing hunger to figuring out the best macros for you and more being added all the time. You want to get the most out of these podcasts and your time to look and feel your best, and these free guides will give you a quick and easy way to know what to do. If you want to get your hands on these completely free guides, you can head over to witsandweights.com slash free. That's witsandweights.com slash free to get your free guides and level up your results today.